Well, hello, everybody, once again, and welcome to the All Saints podcast. I'm delighted to bring to you today a very special guest, a friend of mine. He's an elder at Trinity Reformed Church in Huntsville, Alabama. It's a CREC church. I'm here today with Larson Hicks. Larson, thank you very much indeed for joining us on the podcast. Great to be here, Pastor Jeffrey. Thanks for having me. Well, listen, you and I were talking a week or so ago, and you shared in that context a whole bunch of things which I'd like to get to uh, talking about today because I think they have the potential to be very helpful for us here at All Saints and perhaps elsewhere as we're trying to understand ourselves and understand the intellectual and Christian culture we're living in. But yeah. perhaps just as a way into that, could you tell us something about the history of your church in the last couple of years and, and particularly the growth you've seen? And then we'll uh, jump from that to some of the effects that that's brought about. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's, again, it's a pleasure and honor to be here. And I, I, I also hope that this will be profitable for the saints there and here and, and anywhere else that, that uh, listen to this conversation. And as we kind of think through these ideas and, and uh, problems and questions, so just background, our church, um, we started the effort of planting in 2019 and kind of struggled to get traction. We're, we're sort of feeling around for different ways to approach church planting. And then, um, and then COVID happened and, um, we kind of had all of our ducks in a row. We had our, our, our steering committee and, and we had several men who were gifted preachers who were willing to preach and, and so COVID happened and, and, um, one of the ladies in our neighborhood that was on our, uh, church plant email list that we had been communicating for, for six months or so, um, asked my wife if we would be willing to host a worship service at our house in the backyard just on Sunday. And, and her complaint was, she was just tired of, of video church. You know, her church had been shut down for, for, for a month at that point or more. And, and so had ours. And so we were, you're like, oh, actually, yeah, that's perfect. Uh, yes, let's do that. Um, and so I kind of called the called the church planting uh, steering committee and said, "Hey guys, we're getting the band back together. It's time. You know, we're gonna do this uh, worship service on Sunday. This was like Thursday in uh, I want to say in April uh, or so of 2020. And so that first Sunday, uh, we invited you know some of our friends. Our friends invited some of their friends and. And I think we had nine families show up to that first backyard worship service um, back in April or so of 2020. And um, and very quickly, the thing just got ahead of steam on it. And it was clear that, okay, this this is now um, happening and the timing is right. And, and so um, we quickly found a building um, and here we are uh, in, in August or September of 2023. Um, our official membership is is has just crossed 400 uh, members so we're we're in the low 400s i think attendance on sundays is probably closer to 450 or 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 more um so it's it's um steadily growing new members are family new families are joining it seems like every week or every other week so um so that's kind of the the history really briefly of how this church right. came about and and uh and how we got to where we're at today well wow. well wow. so it looks to me <laughs> From those numbers, I mean, I'm somewhat familiar, as I'm sure you are, with some of the growth that we've seen uh, elsewhere in the series, and we've been blessed here. But um, I haven't heard any uh, other stories of percentage growth rates that quite match that one. Yeah, and so that's yeah, yeah. what. I mean, the, <laughs> and the first thing to say, I guess, is we'll praise God for that. And um, yes, you, you guys absolutely. must be running to keep still, you know. Um, uh, it's crazy. As we we're talking though, last week, 
uh, you highlighted uh, a couple of uh, features of the demographic and the rapid growth and the information landscape that people have been um, uh, uh, taking on board, which have created at least the possibility of, and in some cases, the reality of some, some real problems. Yeah. And I wonder if you could just give us a, a 30, 36,000 foot view of that, and then we'll jump into some of the details. Yeah, as best I can. Um, I, you know, it's, I think what I said to you in the call was the other day was, um, you know, you hear this in church planning circles, you got to be careful, whatever it is you do to bring people in is what you have to keep doing to keep them. Um, and I think inadvertently, I don't think that our, our identity as a church, you know, was formed long prior to COVID. So we were, we, we met as a steering committee, developed our, our constitution and our, and our distinctives long before COVID. Um, but, but as it, as it, it providentially worked out, we really started in earnest right at the start of COVID. And, and in some ways, um, our meeting itself was sort of a, a political protest, you know? And mm. again, this wasn't like our, our scheme or our plan or anything. It just is what happened at the time was nobody was meeting and we were, and people who were interested in meeting um, saw a, a church with a backbone and thought, Hey, this is, this is the place I want to be. They're willing to, to do, you know, get down and dirty and fight the cultural wars. And then I put on a conference in January, uh, uh, about six months after we planted, um, on, uh, the, the theme of the conference was biblical masculinity. Uh, we had Vody Bauckham. Um, mm. we had, um, George Grant and Rich Lusk and Ben, um, uh, Merkel and Michael Foster. And so we were, again, it was still very much in the middle of COVID. So there's still, was, you know, everyone was still wearing masks and very few places were open. We had to do the conference outside of town. And again, I, I really, to be totally honest, was not, for me, this wasn't, Hey, let me thumb, you stick my, um, uh, thumb up at, at, at or, or nose up at, at the government here and, and try to make some statement, you know, it was really, right these are the issues I thought we needed to talk about. And, and I wasn't worried about COVID the way that, that everyone else seemed to be. Um, and then, you know, last thing I'll mention is we did, we did a lot of dances early on as a church where we were <laughs> you know, English country dances. Well, you know what the Puritans said about that, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> you're just asking for trouble. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Well, yeah, that's right. It, well, it was again, another sort of, um, statement, I think that we were making. And again, I, I got to reiterate that it was sort of inadvertent. I mean, I knew that this was countercultural, especially in the midst of this, this pandemic craziness, but it wasn't, Hey, let's, how can we fight the pandemic craziness? Let's, let's do this, that, or the other. It was kind of incidental, but I think what's happened is, is we've attracted to ourselves through, through some of that, um, people who are really interested in, fighting the culture wars and who are really interested in, um, you know, I, I've talked about it as, as, as kind of a red pill addiction. It's like, I want, I want to know what the red pill is. I want to know what the hardcore position is that nobody's willing to talk about. And I think they saw us as people that, that, uh, would, would sort of scratch that itch. And so right. we've ended up with a lot of people now who are very, um, interested in alternative, history, alternative perspectives on just about anything and everything. And, and, and sort of 
in my estimation, a lot who are almost have this insatiable need for the next big, you know, cultural thing that is kind of the problem with everything that we need to wake up to. You know, it's a lot of, I, I think that the term red pill addiction is kind of my new way of right. articulating what, what I think it is. Right. Well, let's just jump into that because that you yeah. said a lot there. And so just to give some uh, glossary, yeah. Uh, if you've if you're listening to this or watching this and you've never watched The Matrix, uh, you need yeah. to go and watch that movie, right? Because that's where the term red pill yeah. originates. And um, right. so if I recall, it's that that famous scene where so The Matrix is this imaginary world that yeah. Neo is trapped in, and yeah. Morpheus, who's the leader of the rebels, gets him in this room and gives him a red pill and a blue pill. And if he and he says, if you take the blue pill, you just everything goes back to normal. You go back to sleep and you can live in your yep. dream world. Take the red pill and I'll show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. And the point right. is then the red pill to take the red pill is to deliberately try to discover the truth, whatever the cost and however outlandish it might appear. And That's what's right. happened is that that term has become the the way of describing, especially in online contexts, thinking of um, 4chan, Reddit, other kind of ideological heavy online yep. contexts. Yep. But the, it's become the label for, okay, what's the conspiratorial explanation that's the sort That's of right. universal acid that eats through everything? Yep. Um, and so what you're suggesting then is that you know, you start this church and by God's grace, you know, it, it picks up and, but the providential circumstances in which it takes off give the false impression that you guys are just dispensers of the net, you know, one red pill a week, right? Yeah. That's so right. this week, this week, COVID, uh, next week, essential oils as a cure for cancer. Uh, <laughs> the week after that, it will be the Illuminati come yeah. back and you'll, you know what I'm saying? You get, you get oh, more yeah. every, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and, and, and the other, to, to make matters worse, uh, we are, we are Catholic in the small C sense of the word. So we, mm -hmm. we've made things even worse by saying, and again, this is not intentional, but we've, one of our distinctives is we're not going to divide over mm -hmm. what we, what we consider to be secondary theological issues. And so the biggest, most obvious one in our context today and in the, in the Bible belt is baptism, where we've said, you don't have to be pedo Baptist to be a member of this church. We will happily baptize your children. Um, we'll, we'll defer to the family on this, so long as obviously those convictions are 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 something that they think is important. Um, but um, but so that's what that's done is it's open. We've opened the doors pretty wide to people from very different backgrounds. Um, and what's happened, I think, there is is this phenomena of moving fast theologically. So people go, um, these were the guys who were willing to stand up during COVID, right? I want to learn right. more from them. And then they hear Trinity Reformed. I, I literally have had family families show up and say, we love this church. We love the singing. We love the teaching. We love the families. What does Reformed mean? I've never heard that term, <laughs> right? Wow. I mean, that's, wow. that's really, that's, that's a very, it's wonderful. It's kind of what we were praying for. Yeah. Um, and so we're delighted because we're meeting the needs of the people in our community and, and we're not leading with, Hey, you must be reformed first to be able to be here. Um, uh, but what that's led to, I think it, going back to the red pill thing, reform theology becomes a red pill, right? It's like, 
oh, it's this new, I'm going down the rabbit hole of this new perspective that explains the whole, all of scripture and theology in a way, and I'm, I'm, the veil's coming off and I'm seeing everything. And then, and I think our temptation in those circumstances, because we go, well, certainly somebody who's interested in Reformed theology, that's a good thing. Let's just lean right into that and let's mm. let's accommodate them moving fast theologically. Um, but what I've what I what I'm nervous is happening is that we we are we're feeding this uh, red pill addiction, and they go, okay, I figured out Reformed theology. Tell me about post post millennialism. Now right. tell me about covenant renewal worship. Now tell me about you know um, about the next thing. You know the next right, big right, theological. Right shift and and before you know it they're going okay now what's next i want to move on to the next big thing and we're going well th th that's it i think <laughs> those are the big right. ones right now uh, this struck me in uh the few days after we were talking last week and i was trying to um superimpose an ideological or theological framework on yeah. the sociological phenomena that you described and it suddenly struck me i was actually talking to an, another gentleman and then a, a couple of other ladies who just dropped in the church office they swung by they were helping with the church library here and it just it just hit me that what's what's happening in our information landscape is that there are a whole cluster of different contexts of broadly conservative or mm. Christian, or both, ideological resistance. It's right. long-standing institutions like think tanks and uh, publishing houses. It's some yeah. newer think tanks like Reason.com and the Manhattan and the guys who published the City Journal is at Manhattan Institute. I forget Claremont yeah. Institute. But then there's newer entities. There are online groups. There are um, uh, smaller and newer theological movements. There's um, uh, networks that are more deliberately secretive, uh, yeah. private members, groups and clubs and so on. Yeah. And then there are commercial entities where they're seeing the, what looks to them like the left pill, uh, the left wing, left pill, left wing, uh, t woke takeover of corporate America and trying to think, okay, how can we establish a conservative yeah. foothold in the corporate context? And then off the back of these are a whole bunch more fringy groups. Now, what happens if, you plot each of these entities in a multi-dimensional landscape of ideological conviction, right? So you yeah. plot them, you know, how Christian are they? And there's a spectrum right. there and how conservative and how reformed. And then what's their stance on big government? What did they think about COVID? What do they think about vaccines? What do they think about head coverings? What do they think about yeah. the, the crazy things that we keep hearing about how the Jewish people are the cause of every problem that we see in modern yeah. society. And what happens right. is that these, these organizations, entities, these loci are all spread out mm -hmm. on all these spectra. So some are really quite extreme yeah. at some ends of the spectrum, you know, in terms of um, uh, the Jewish people are at fault for everything and armed resistance should be on the, you know, the next item on the agenda. Whereas others are really quite innocuous, 100-year-old conservative think tanks. But here's sure. the key thing. All of these are interconnected and they're interconnected relationally and socially. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that some, some guy who's thoughtful, uh, Christian, conservative instincts gets hooked into one of these organizations. And one of them mm -hmm. might be your CREC church. 
and they're discovering yes. all this stuff which is new and exciting and uh, invigorating and it's liberating because there's true stuff in there but that is connected to a bunch of other things it's your church here and a facebook group there which is another facebook group over there which is then a reddit uh, a subreddit right. and then it's and what happens is that because people make decisions and form convictions sociologically and not simply cognitively right. people get sucked down this rabbit hole yeah of increasingly wild lurid um fanciful false and destructive ideologies and there's no breaks on it so yep. somebody who comes for the paedo baptism the covenant renewal worship six weeks later is blaming quote unquote the jews for everything and six right. weeks after that you discover they've joined some secret society which is plotting to unseat every leftist from an S&P 500 company board. Yeah. So yep. I mean, it, do you think that's a reasonable depiction of the sociological landscape? Yeah. I think so. I, I think it's a, I think it's an excellent uh, depiction of the sociological landscape. I think, I think it's worse though. Um, you said that, that there are no breaks. Um, I, I think it's worse than not having breaks. I think you have, you have a lot of folks who have tapped into this network and realized there's a lot of money to be made. Um, there's a lot of attention to be garnered by tapping into these networks. And so we're going to, and who, you know, it's kind of providential, let's say, um, that my son just brought me coffee and he, he brought it to me in this mug uh, is my fight laugh <laughs> mug that I, that uh, my either... press glass right here. <laughs> oh, good, good. We've all got well, the bling. You know, this, right? is the, this is a good example. Fight, laugh, feast. Who I'm, I'm good friends with several of those, those, all of those guys. Think yeah, they're great. Yeah. Um, but they're also trying to run a business. They're also trying to build a membership. And uh, we all know this. This is kind of some of this is the dark patterns of the web. The algorithms have figured out that have figured this out. But but people like Rush Limbaugh articulated this 20 30 years ago mm -hmm. that 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 controversy paranoia um fear is really what sells it's what keeps people's attention it's right. what draws the eyeballs and so um and so there are groups who are trying to build influence for various reasons whether it's financial or cultural or or even you know from a with a ministry aim um, to get your eyeballs, they are they are going to stoke fears about right. different things. Um, right. And so and so, yeah, I think I think um, what's happened for us is, yeah, you get these, let's say, Baptists who come into our church and say, this is great. I, I didn't know any of this stuff existed before. Where what else can I read? Where else can I go? And podcasts right. are probably the most accessible it's why we're doing this right now. It's a very accessible means of teaching and, and learning. You can do it while you're washing the dishes and on your commute. And so people go, what other podcast should I be listening to? And so they right. jump on Fight, Laugh, Feast. Looks really interesting. You see really controversial topics there and you want to dive into them. And, and before you know it, uh, what you just described um, really happens. And you find yourself in the strange strange bedfellow situation where you're starting mm. to go down the rabbit hole deeper and deeper on all these issues and find yourself way off in some weird corners of the internet, um, hanging right. out with some people that I, that I would say are not at all friendly to our, uh, our, our worldview. And there's that tacit endorsement phenomenon, isn't it? Because it's like, well, I know Larson yeah. Hicks, he's a solid guy. He's a reformed yep. Christian, godly man, great yep. family. He goes to this church 
And that other guy who's a member of this 4chan group also goes to that church. Yeah. And so you're two steps away in this network of, totally. of yeah, yeah. ideological loci from some really crazy yeah. stuff. Yeah. And it's not just well, like you said, it's not just that there are no brakes. It's that somebody's right. glued the accelerator down. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and, uh, and it's, you know, I don't know how many of these you, you mentioned it, but I don't know how many of these small private member only men's groups there are out there, but I, I know of at least, you know, six or seven that right, just men right. in my church have mentioned they're a part of. Right. right um, right. and they're like small private groups of men who, it, you know, it, it, it comes a lot of this. I'm sure this is a direction we might want to go in the conversation, but a lot of it, it, it really comes from a, a loss of kind of ecclesiocentrism, you know, this, this, where the church kind of is just one of these, one of these sociological, uh, nodes that you're connected to, but it's not the main one. It's there's no hierarchy here. And so, um, and so it's kind of on a level playing field with, with fight, laugh, feast, or with the podcast mm -hmm. you listen to, or with the men's group that you're a part of. And, um, and so they're all competing, you know, to tell you, it seems they're all competing ideologically for what, for, for defining what, what the, what the real priorities are. And, right, right. and, and if your church is interested in, in promoting that you live a quiet and peaceful life, um, if your church is not stoking your paranoia and, 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 um, stimulating your attention, um, then, then you're just in terms of time and, and headspace, you're just going to give these other, these other outlets more of your time and, and energy. And, and before you know it, they're really going to be your primary, where, where you're deriving your primary, you know, uh, identity and, and direction from. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I think we need to come back to the, the ecclesiocentrism, the church centered point, because we will need to defend the validity of an ecclesiocentric stance yeah. towards knowledge and life yeah. and community because otherwise we're in danger of being accused of just self-servingly bigging up yeah. our own locus uh, within this yeah. landscape but i want to just pick yeah. up a couple of thoughts you you made the fear point and paranoia is just so obvious now after how many yeah. years of social media you know 15 yeah. pushing 20 um and it's just behavioral economics right? anybody who's read daniel kahneman's book thinking fast and slow He's got yeah. that phrase, losses loom larger than gains. Mm. And the point he's making there is it was it's first most of the experimental work has been done on people's attitude to financial losses and financial gains in hypothetical yeah. situations or in real life investing scenarios. But what it means when it's translated into ideology and life, it's not losses in financial terms, it's fear. So bad news stories mm. run hotter than good yeah. news stories. Yeah. You know? Um, kid did well at college you could have a thousand kids who do well at college nobody cares but one kid who goes away from college goes away to college from some small town and trashes the place and gets thrown out that'll make news and it's yeah or the negative emotion play it's a vulnerability in our psychological makeup we're not well attuned to appropriately Mm -hmm. downplaying or turning the gain down on fear stoking uh, yeah. stories and then you couple that to your follow the money point and then you start to realize really what's going on and, and this is no disrespect intended to sure um, every 
Christian parachurch ministry or Facebook group or broadcaster, like like yeah. you, I'm friends with the guys at Cross Politics and so on. And in fact, yeah. it is specifically that no general criticism is intended because what's, what those good organizations are doing is good. Of course, they need money to keep going and produce their content, but it's precisely yeah. because of the legitimation of that model by good and sound organizations that yeah. flaky and destructive ones can leverage the same approach to revenue generation. And therefore, yeah. they need the same behavioral and epistemic landscape to operate on, which they do spectacularly well, right? They do. They um, do. And so just to think about, before we just jump to the ecclesiology point, because we do need to come back and defend that, I've got a couple of other questions I wanted to um, uh, talk through. And the first is the obvious observation, right? That um, not only are your congregants at uh, Trinity Reformed Church, it's not just that they're not asking you only yeah. about where yeah. to get this content from. They're not just going to come to Elder larson to say hey what should i listen to next there are 399 yep. other people in that church they'll ask them yeah but there is just a vast ocean of content yeah and there's no way of i mean if we broadcast if i podcasted live full time every day there's no way i could even touch the tsunami of content that people at all saints right. could if they wanted to Right. Um, avail themselves of. Right. And that creates a very real problem for thinking about how we address this, right? Because you, what you can't just do is say, well, if you can't beat them, join them. Mm. You know, because there's this, we, we can't out-podcast um, no. thousands or tens or hundreds of thousands of people who are incentivized financially into producing this content. So what are your thoughts about that? Does that generate... Um, a sense of despair in the pit of your stomach or do you have other thoughts about how to deal with this situation i mean i think i'd be lying if i said it doesn't bother me and it and it doesn't create some anxiety from time to time and and it's something that my el the elders at our church and i have been discussing and thinking a lot about and it, and it's absolutely right that we can't expect to match swords with um this, you know, the legion of, of podcasters and conspiracy theorists who are vying for our people's attention. So, so we really, we really can't try to fight fire with fire in, you know, in that analogy. Um, I think that, I think that we, we've got to point people back to scripture and point people back to what, um, what we've been commanded to do. We've been commanded not to worry about tomorrow. Um, that's that's a command that's given. Uh, not to fear is a command that's given over and over throughout Scripture, um, and we're commanded to work six days. Um, you know, boredom is a huge part of this problem. You know, we live in this in this age where our work is really really easy, and we don't have most most people uh, are very busy uh, supposedly, but not very productive. I would say, um, and and. Um, and that's a I'm painting with a broad brush, and I know everybody right. is going to hear this and say, well, that that applies to other people, but not me. But truthfully, I think we're all quite. Um, um, I think we have a lot more free time on our hands than than we like to give ourselves credit for, even during our work days. And so, a lot of time is spent on social media, and and social media, um, you know, in and of itself is is designed scientifically engineered to keep our attention and hold it and 
uh, drive us to continue to engage with it. And so right, right. we're fools to think that that's not um, happening. Yes. So yes. I think that, yeah, I, I think that um, there's no way, there's no way you're right, that, that we're going to be able to keep up with, with all of it. What, what we really need to do is develop in our people what I'm, what I'm describing as an intellectual immune system or a right. spiritual immune system. And one of those is recognizing that one of those things is your shepherds. Uh, um, when Christ saw the multitude, um, he was moved to compassion uh, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And, um, and what we need to remind our people is that you are not sheep without a shepherd. The Lord has left you with shepherds who, who's, who's, a duty uh, that they will be held accountable for is to care for your soul. And so, um, and so as you get more and more stim overstimulated by all of the, all of the paranoia that's coming at you, look to your shepherds for like, you know, I'm, 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 I'm nervous. I'm paranoid. I'm anxious about all of this stuff. I'm right. fearful. It's, it's absorbing a lot of my headspace. I'm struggling with with gratitude. I'm struggling with focus at work. All I can think about is how the world is falling apart. Shepherds, how, what do I do? You know, to right. appeal to your shepherds, um, who who uh, God has given you as sort of, you know, to to use to stay with this immune system analogy. That they are kind of the white blood cells of the church. You know, the shepherds are here to to identify those false prophets, those um, those. Um, wolves and sheep, sheep's clothing, um, and to, to call them out. Um, and so when people come to me and, and, and you're right, and this, this is, this is, um, just to add to the, the despair. One of the things that, that is, that is <laughs> before we remember the resurrection. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Uh, it, it is, is that, um, one of the, the unhelpful, uh, and I think false responses of people who are, who are immersed in this stuff is to is to think that your elders or your pastors, um, their lack of concern about these things is indicative of the fact that they are just out to lunch. You know that, right. that we're just They're boomers. That yeah, boomers who just haven't taken the red pills yet and don't understand, right? right. Uh, with and not and not thinking that perhaps our our elders have wisdom. And and are seeking to guide and shape the the priorities of the people in our church according to scripture and according to to wisdom. Um, and and they're not promoting all of these um, these propaganda and, and and conspiracy theories because they actually don't think that they are they're uh, valid or or, right. or 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 something that we should be we should be spending energy on. Because your illustration there of an intellectual or spiritual immune system, I think, is profoundly helpful. I remember you mentioned this before, and uh, alongside it, the the uh, the analogy of an autoimmune disorder. And so, if yes. we just take those like one at a time, so the the reformed Catholicity that we want to promote, where yep. of course we welcome into our churches uh, people with actually quite a wide range of theological views provided yeah. that they're willing to be in churches where we teach this reformed Protestant um, spirituality yeah. and way of life and eschatology and sacramentology and everything else. Uh, we yeah. welcome them all in. But you cannot do that if people lack uh, 
an intellectual and spiritual immune system. People have to learn to discernment in effect, isn't it? It's the, yep. the capacity to just be able to tell, all right, I'm sorry, that's just crazy. <laughs> yep. And it's not the sort of thing that can be coached easily or done solo. Yes. And that perhaps yep. connects with your uh, ecclesiology point. Again, we'll have to come to that uh, later on. But the autoimmune issue is fascinating as well, because that is, yes, yep. it, it, you, the, there's something about the obsession with uh, whatever the next red pill is, the, the red pill addiction, yep. which is unrefutable for that yep. reason. So somebody who says, right. whoa, whoa, hold on a second, hold on a second. Um, uh, maybe it's not all about fluoride in the water. Like maybe, right. maybe, okay, maybe there are some issues with rising rates of allergies and autism among children Blue light. But, but maybe it's not all fluoride in the water and yeah. the 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 fact that you're pushing back against that is taken as indicative that you're part of the problem so people are in effect cutting themselves off from the divinely ordained just to anticipate the defensive ecclesiology the divinely ordained yeah. structures that are there to help them it's like your body attacking itself and it's going to destroy itself. Yep. That's why autoimmune dis disorders are so, so destructive. Yep. Hmm. No, absolutely. It's, it's, um, you know, we're, we're warned. Uh, I mean, we're told in scripture about, uh, immature, um, faith looks like being thrown about by every wind and wave of doctrine. And, and I think if people don't recognize that this is something I'm susceptible to as a, as a young Christian or, you know, as a, uh, or, or a new convert, let's say, to to a, a, a different tradition, mm -hmm. I'm I'm probably more susceptible to being tossed about than the average, than a mature um, Christian in the faith. And so, you know, I I gave an exhortation at our church a couple uh, months ago to the women um, that um, getting on, you know, the ladies' Slack channel and asking, you know, just posting you know, what's the most reformed brand of diapers to buy for my, or wipes to buy for my, you know, kids or, or my kids are, are cranky. And, uh, is it because they have food dyes in their, uh, in, in, in the food we're feeding them or whatever the thing is. Yes. Yes. That, that scripture commands younger women to go to the older women, um, and to learn from them. And, um, and I think it's easy for us, <laughs> I think it's easy for us to tell ourselves we are, do, we are obeying that commandment by getting on social media and talking with other women. Um, and in fact, I would say it's, it's, it's really not at all that you're, you're doing something that's, I think, perhaps the opposite. Um, you're, you're amassing for yourself a, a um, teachers that you're interested in listening to. It's this echo chamber of 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 other people who want to just reinforce mm -hmm. your paranoia or your concern. I've been concerned about, you know, Bluetooth and wireless radiation causing sleep dis you know, troubles in my house. You know, who else ha sees that? And you're never going to have usually the wise women. I'm just to stick with the women example. The wise godly women are not even going to engage with that conversation. They're, they're not even probably going to be on the list. They're going to be busy with the work that they've been called to do. Right. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think there's a, there's a need for us to recognize this is a, this is a temptation. This is a struggle. This is a problem. 
we're commanded, uh, young, younger Christians are commanded to go seek the, the, uh, wisdom and advice and, um, and to imitate those who are older and, and have wisdom. Um, and so I think that's one of the places to start when it comes yeah. to just, um, dealing with starting to deal with this stuff. Yeah. Your, um, allusion to Paul's writings to Timothy, the itching ears point is fascinating yes. because in, in the first century, what you had to do if you were minded to do that was to gather around yourself people to tell you what your itching ears wanted to hear. Now the algorithms yeah. do it for you. And yeah. I, I'm, I'm still convinced that we don't yet, we haven't got uh, sufficiently well-formed intuitions to discern how much that's happening. The degree yeah. to which you are being fed stuff, which an algorithm yeah. that is 10 gazillion times faster than you at spotting Absolutely. what you're going to be interested in next. It's feeding yeah. you things. I, I had an example just well, the other day. I got a text message from a guy that, had a, that was describing him chopping a tree down. I go on YouTube because I'm looking for something else, and I get a video of a guy chopping a tree down. I mean, it's like, what? in the world has wow. just happened. Yeah, um, and yeah, I, I, I've never watched videos of guys chopping down wood, right? right? I mean, this is just not a thing right. I do. And right. The... Well, see, the temptation is mm -hmm. to hear that story and to go down this rabbit trail of a, of a paranoid scheme about how the government's trying to, trying to rewire our brains and trying right. to invade our privacy and, and mess with us. And the answer to all of this is just stop being passive. Stop, 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 turning your brain off and, and plopping yourself in front of a screen and doom scrolling a feed um, and calling that research. That's not research. You're being fed something mm -hmm. by an algorithm. Um, and, and it, 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 it has no, you know, I, I, I want to in the most, uh, in the least paranoid way, say, I, I don't know that the algorithm has a, has any higher aim than your time and, 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 and engagement. I mean, it's, oh, exactly it didn't get you to, if it just wants you to click on it, spend time on it and get, you know, make comments, like it, share it. That's, that's the extent of it. You know, I don't, I don't see a, and I'm sure there are examples of nefarious use of these things to promote a candidate or, or a political thing. That's, I, I'm sure, I'm sure that's happening. I'm sure people can do that. But the, but the bigger concern for me is just, we, we have, we, the pe the number of people who have said, I've been doing a lot of research on X um, and then start to tell you about their concern about something. Um, mm. When you, when you probe that a little further and go, tell me about your research. What you never find is what I've never found is somebody who's doing a, an intellectually honest um, and rigorous attempt at discovering the truth. What I find mostly is doom scrolling, um, conspiracy theory threads and 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 clicking on every article or podcast or video conspiracy video that's that's posted there um and so really what you're doing is willfully mm -hmm. allowing yourself to be propagandized by whatever the the right. cause is right um it's it's anything it's anything but research yes. um just because you've absorbed lots of information does not mean that you've done research or have become and and the point um, in the podcast I recorded with uh, Joffrey Swate a week mm -hmm. or so ago, he made the point that he can sit around and talk with uh, with with uh, libertarian you know zealots, 
and find that they can't they can't describe uh they, they have no real substantive understanding of of world history to speak of they know everything about their one little narrow mm-hmm. um uh fascination but when it comes to just okay what time and place did any of this stuff even happen in right. and what was the other no what were the other you know, things that were happening in that time there's just there's zero literacy and so it's it's one of the things that i i'm also want to call out is um the value of a real education um mm-hmm. abroad uh, real education leaves Sorry, yeah. leaves you more humble uh than than you came in a, yes. a real education does that um and I think that um, I, I don't think we have very many people in in the world today. Not you know my church, your church, wherever you want to point. I think we have very few people that are actually uh, have have what would what what I would call a good education. Yes, um, well, and and a, a good education is necessarily broad enough to instill that sense of humility. I, I'm struck by the okay. the cor- the resonance between what you're saying there and the phenomenon that doctors in particular, have noticed in the last 25 years. And um, you'll know a bit about that because of your professional uh, vocation. But uh, when a patient who has read everything they can find about a particular narrow field, and they just, of course, they have more um, quotations and citations at their fingertips than their 30-year experienced general practitioner that they're going to see, they can go right. in and they, they talk to the guy who's actually the expert because he understands the yep. field broadly and all the other things yep. that need to be understood to make a, a valid assessment of the situation. But he goes in, the patient goes in and comes to the conclusion wrongly that, goodness, not even the experts know this stuff that I found on the internet. Right. And right. what's actually happened, right. you pointed out this, it's not scientific. It is precisely non-scientific in the yeah. Popperian sense. You think of Karl Popper's philosophy of science, which is still the gold standard for how you're supposed to do scientific investigation. Science is right. not, no matter what anybody ever tells you, it is not about trying to prove something. It is about the enterprise of right. trying to disprove something. Disprove. Yeah. And, yeah. and so somebody who says, well, I'm trying to understand, um, do essential oils help with such and such a, a condition? And they Google, do essential oils help with such and such a condition? Well, guess what? <laughs> Yeah. What, what they're not <laughs> doing right. is searching for all the research, which probably hasn't been done, because why would you need to prove that essential oil <laughs> can't help you with migraines? Because there's no, right. there's no mechanism right. at all that could um, substantiate yeah. that link. That the only stuff out there is the spurious claims put about yeah. by people who are doing this non-scientifically. Yeah. Well, and, and it's, and it's even worse than that in that particular example with doctors, because, because in my, in, I think doctors are, are guilty of the same problem. Um, you know, physicians, the, the world of healthcare has become more and more and more specialized like everything Mm -hmm. else. Um, and so you, you have the same problem of a lack of a broad education. Um, I think physicians today, uh, take one semester of of statistics um and oh, so their ability to to discern you know is this study even something that 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 is worth paying attention to right, right, right. Um, as as pharma reps are just shoving their studies in front of them all day every day mm-hmm. to try to make their point uh, to to use to pr- to promote their drugs so anyway the point is that that there's far too too little skepticism and education from physicians as well and so this is part of the crisis 
I mean, you know, to back up, this is this is why I think this has reached kind of crisis level in my mind is that there are so few authorities uh, that we can trust anymore, anywhere. Right. You know, whether it's medical or government or educational or academic, um, there's just nobody anymore, it seems, that we can trust. And so people have cut themselves off and uh, have almost said, if you're, you know, I don't trust anybody that's higher up uh, the authority, you know, any sort of hierarchy from me. I just want, I want to go figure it out myself and I'm going to do my own research. And mm. so we've, that's, that's where we're at today. And that's why I think this problem has, has become so pernicious is that, um, is that, yeah, people don't trust the government. They don't trust any authorities and are, are, right. are, are even more, um, drawn to, uh, to this kind of, um, exploration so what you're highlighting there is a question i was going to ask way back and uh you've, you've returned to it one of the challenges in addressing this whole um uh, red pill addiction is that uh, some of the red pills turn out to be right like yeah. it actually turns out to be true that senior health officials with too much medical training to justify the mistakes that they made did seek to mislead the American, in fact, the world population. Sure. And sure. Uh, it, that, that genuine recognition of actual problems can create this generalization across all domains, which yeah. then opens the door to the do your own research phenomenon, which is guaranteed right. to end up with some mistakes eventually, and probably quite more, quite dramatic ones. Um, right. I, I'm conscious we keep, we've got to get to this defense of uh, a putative remedy. And one of the things, that, just to lead into this, I want to say what we don't want to do, you and I, uh, Larson Hicks and Steve Jeffrey, we don't want to start sounding as though here we are catastrophizing about another calamity, right? Be and yeah. the, the reason we don't want to do that is I, th I think your ecclesiocentrism point is a defensible and workable, not so much solution, but context for a solution yeah. to this problem. So let, let me just, I'll try and articulate a broad framework yeah, and then you nuance do. it and we'll try and defend, defend it. Suppose sure. we say that we're, we're left in this fractured information landscape where on the one hand we know that many experts have proven themselves incompetent or untrustworthy. Whereas on the other hand, that's not true of every expert. And it's certainly mm -hmm. true that we're not in a position by doing our own research to sort out the problems. In addition to which, there are, there are ideological claims from uh, medical and dietary fads through to anti-Semitism and kinism and yeah. racism that are scattered around this landscape. And because of the ma matrix of ideological nodes problem, yeah. once you're on that rabbit trail, it's not that there are no brakes, it's that somebody's jammed the accelerator down. So you've got, how, how do you solve for this? You're a young person, 25, 30 years old, maybe you're single, maybe you're married, you've come to Trinity Reformed Church, you're, you're at All Saints, what do you do? And what I'd wanna suggest is, you don't do anything crazy, and what you do <laughs> is to have these conversations within the church 
involving, and the phrase you used, of course, a biblical phrase, involving your shepherds. Now, yeah. clearly, from a biblical standpoint, that's defensible. But at the same time, it can sound self-serving. Here are two shepherds. And here yep. we are, we're sitting on this podcast saying, you guys can't trust the experts, but you can't find out the answers yourself. You should just trust us. Trust whatever we say to yeah. you. Yeah. So yeah. let's try and unpack and in the process, nuance and defend what we're saying. Because what we're not saying is, you just got to trust us. Trust last. Yeah. Trust Pastor yeah, that's Jeffrey, right. right? That's not what we're saying. Right. So let's try and unpack yeah. this claim see why it's so substantive biblically and, and then defend it. Well, I, I, I'm certainly, um, certainly not trying to argue that, that you just need to trust, um, um, the, the church and, and, and turn your brains off. Um, and, and actually one of the things that I've encouraged our people to do a lot more of is to, uh, that it, it is a good and right and healthy and biblical Christian response um, to encounter one of these many questions that we've we've touched on with the response I don't know and I don't care mm -hmm. um, like that th so so for me it's more about it's more about having a a um, appropriately you modulated sense of proportion and and a lot of that is a lot of that is, is, is grounding yourself historically, you know, and, and recognizing that in the grand scheme of the controversies and, and struggles that the church and society in general have, have experienced, um, you know, um, you know, what, whatever the thing, radiation from cell phones is, is very minor, you know, mm -hmm. this is, th these things are all so minor and, um, um, so anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm going down a rabbit trail. I yeah, apologize. So, no, but, but as far as, as, uh, trying to defend it, I mean, I, I guess for me, it's, it's, um, it's certainly not that I, as an elder, as a shepherd at my church have lots of extra time and energy that I'm hoping to spend on researching anti-Semitism or researching, you know, fluoride in tap water or whatever. I'm not purporting to be an expert on any of those things, um, what I'm purporting to be is ordained by God uh, to care for the souls of the people in in my church. Right. Um, that's what I'm purporting, and 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 I'm that my trust there is not in myself or my own research. It's in God and His Spirit uh, to preserve and protect His church. Right. And so, um, and so, I, I want to encourage people to have, to have faith in God, uh, and and to live out that faith by trusting. Uh, the shepherds that God has ordained and established in your life. Right. Um, and so it, 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 it won't necessarily, in my case, look like you getting answers uh, to all of your questions um, right. about all of these things. Um, you may get an assignment from me, you know, instead of a, an answer, you may get an assignment to, to help um, serve the church in a particular way or get a job or, or to, or, or to get a job, like, you know, work to, six days and then we'll have a conversation. Right. Right. So, so yeah, what are you doing in your life to take dominion and to, yes. um, and to uh, provide more for your family? Sorry, go on. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, I want to no, no. just uh, flesh that out because um, it's a, if, if we try to line up a bunch of bullet points in defense of an ecclesia centric 
stance towards this stuff. The first yeah. would have to be that the church is that organism on earth through which God has committed to work and which God yes. has committed to preserve and to which he has committed your welfare as a sheep, as a believer, yeah. and yeah. in which he has placed people whom he is holding responsible for you. And none of those things are true about your favorite Facebook group. Sorry. That's right. Right. So yeah. Right. Now what that means is it, it is not all about the pastor. Okay. It's not all yep. about me. It's not Absolutely. all about you, but it is about yep. this entity. This community is the community that God has promised to keep and preserve and yep. within which we are to be nurtured. Now related to that, of course, you think, well, what does scripture say about that? And there are inbuilt criteria for discerning where is a good church to be. And of course, not every sure. church is going to be so helpful on these matters or anything else. Sure. And, and who are good people in the church to listen to and, and pastors to have in your church. And the simple fact is, it's an embodied community where people live in relationship and you know your pastor, you know yeah. the people in your church. I, I don't think I could hide for very long if my marriage were falling apart. Or if I were only working a 15-hour week or any number of other things which would disqualify me as yeah. a guide to the people of God. And the reason is almost a, a distinct point. This is an embodied community. And there's something, we are embodied creatures. When we yeah. shouldn't be trying to think our way through life. We should be trying to live our way through life. It's, it's reflected yes. in the point you made previously about um, the, the very real and practical connection between this ideological capture, the failure of the ideological immune system on the one hand, right. and somebody just having too much time on his hands. If you're yeah, working 10 absolutely. hour days, five days a week, and all day Saturday, you're with your kids, with your wife, you're fixing up the house, you're helping others fix up, you know, do stuff they need to do. You're helping people move into town from out of town because they're joining your church at the rate of 50 a month. You know, um, <laughs> you, you just have, you don't have time to spend on yeah. this stuff. I yeah. talked to my wife. This is very true. Yeah, my wife is one of the most productive people I know. And, and she doesn't spend time on social media because she doesn't have time. And it's not, That's right. interestingly, it's not that she's always rushing around from place to place. It's just that she's always doing productive things, steadily chipping away at business projects. She's working yeah. on that. She's teaching the kids. She's working on that. She's reading something. Yeah. She's working around the house. She's going to meet with people in the church, sitting down with them. She's always got something which is to do with the people around her, the life that she's got, the vocation that she has, the, peop the people in the church that she's responsible to be serving as mm -hmm. a fellow member. And so th this That's is right. a cluster of um features of the church which lie behind the obvious biblical claim that like this is the community mm -hmm. where our lives in christ should be centered yeah now um that of course means that well of course we can have conversations right um, we can have yeah. but i was i was interested i was struck by a point you made um and this would be a, a harsh way of putting it but don't know don't care Yes. Now, here, I'll give you an example of this. I, I, I didn't say don't, don't know, don't care. What I said was, um, don't know, going to think about this, but I'm really glad yeah. you're handling it 
in this understated way. A young lady came to me to ask about head coverings. Yeah. Yeah, Now, here's a fascinating thing, right? Because head coverings, what harm could it do? Well, in itself, I don't think it's, it's much of an issue. Where it becomes an issue is when it becomes the thing that we have to get sorted out. And if we don't fix this, we're on the road to yeah. perdition. In other words, it's your point about uh, a proportionate stance towards the significance of an issue. So what I said to this lady was, um, yeah, I, I've noticed, you know, there are 10 or 12 ladies in our church who, who wear head coverings. I know that some of them, they've talked to their husbands and their husbands think that's a good idea and that's why they do it. But I've not encountered um, a kind of proselytizing stance towards that issue. And I praise God yeah. for that. Now, it may be that some of that going on, but a proselytizing stance is not the same as a kind of, can we have a conversation about this? And I genuinely yeah. welcome that. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's got to be kept within its proper proportions in relation to the other things that the church is concerned about. And this is the final point I want to make about the church and then have your thoughts on this. Um, the living God has given to the church a particular mission, a particular goal. Mm. We are to be that organism within the world in and through which Christ is present and Christ is building his kingdom, extending his kingdom. Mm-hmm. It's Acts 29, not the organization, right? It's the, the, the <laughs> mission of the book of Acts to proclaim and yeah. to live out the gospel to the ends of the earth. Um, yeah embodied in our lives now what that does here's a crucial functional benefit of this is it gives us a framework for assessing the relative importance of different issues mm-hmm. so if somebody says to me well i've got three things i want to talk about i want to talk about um whether i should get married i want to talk about um uh, if i were to get married um what are your thoughts about educating your children oh and i definitely want to talk um about uh, radiation from cell phone towers mm-hmm. i'm like okay listen i i can see the church's mission very closely tied to the first two of those things yeah the third looks to me like a bit of minority report pseudoscience yeah you know c- yeah. come back to me in 20 years time and we'll have a beer and we may talk about that for 10 minutes but really That's right. and yeah so so the church's mission allows us to place these issues on a an order of priority mm-hmm. while at the same time there are some issues that would well that the racism kinism anti anti-semitism and so on those are actually subject just straightforward biblical critique those postures are wrong does is is that the sort of thing you think is going to be helpful to you and to us as we're seeking to navigate the next few years i do i th- i i think the thing that you said that I think ties all of it together is the embodied aspect of the church mm-hmm. and, and the fact that we weren't called to a set of ideologies or, or a set of doctrines. We're not Gnostics. Um, right. What'd you say? We're not Gnostics. We're not Gnostics. That's right. Um, and, and so, so Christ works through, through people, uh, his spirit, uh, fills people, um, gives, gives them a spirit of wisdom to navigate different things. And and I've said this often to people want to talk about uh, parenting. Um, One of the things I've said to my kids is that it would be deeply evil for me to treat you all the same way because I am your father 
and I know you each very well. And I know how, how you are each different and it would be evil for me. It, it would be ideologically driven um, evil for me to treat you all as if you were, as if I didn't know the difference between you all to apply some wooden standard to the way that I parent each of you. I'm not going to do that because I'm a father right? and I know you intimately and I know what you son can handle and what you daughter can handle and what you other second son and third son. So, so in the same way, um, you know, the greatest commandment, you know, the second greatest commandment to love your neighbor, I'm reminded of Chesterton talking about how, you know, we weren't commanded to love humanity. Um, we were commanded to love your neighbor, The actual right? human and being in front of you. Yeah. An actual human being that God has providentially placed right next to you, right, you know, right. right in front of you. Um, not, he's a little slice of humanity that God wants you to minister to, wants you to love. And so, um, and so this is the thing it's, I think it's Gnosticism. I think that's, that's one of the, 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 the big, um, heresies that's looming underneath mm -hmm. the surface of all of this is this belief that there is some secret set of knowledge, the secret list of things that you have to figure out in order to unlock greater holiness or maturity or wisdom. Yeah. And in fact, that, that, um, what what that leads you towards is a is a um a um escape from the life that God's given you the people that God's given you the right, the responsibilities right. that God's putting right right in front of you and so um so yeah i think developing that proportion is really about get back into and it's interesting cuz a lot of it's fashionable to to care about what is about the local like that's fashionable right now people want to put down roots and be authentic and, and engage locally. Um, but then you start talking uh, with, with people in, in our circles and it, it's a lot of paranoia about what's happening in public schools or what's happening in, <laughs> right. in Washington DC or in, or in Cal, did you hear what they're doing in California? And, and the irony is that like our own church, one of our elders has started this, this political sort of engagement effort where it's very simple has the whole idea is, we're just going to coordinate with a group of people who are going to make sure that somebody attends every uh, city council meeting and takes notes. And, and we review those notes together. And over time we start to publish articles on a website about what city council is up to. Um, that's, that's it. We're just watching and paying attention and just providing some accountability locally. Well, as it turns out, I have, we have in our church droves of men who invest untold hundreds of hours a, a month in researching and reading about all of the craziness that's happening politically in, in at the national level and the global level. Right. But, but we fail to get very much interest at all in, in doing something embodied in our local community, you know, it's more costly. Um, on in that same, that same topic of, of, of right. politics. Right. It's, it's more costly. It's more costly. It is. And it's and yeah. and it's also it's less of a dopamine hit. Yeah. So it's so it's not the um infinite scrolling, uh zero cognitive effort yeah. required. It's actually get up, get in the car, drive to the council meeting, sit for probably the same number of hours as you would have sat on the sofa, um uh, doom yeah. scrolling. But that's right. It's a it's a different kind of personal commitment. And this this I'm convinced is right. why um uh 
sometimes families really start to suffer because of this because it is far far more difficult to commit yourself to loving your husband or your wife and to raising yeah. your kids faithfully and especially especially to educating and disciplining your kids it is yeah. we, we when we this is a podcast for another time but when we started off down the r r road of homeschooling we had some idea of how how much work it was going to be we had no yeah. idea <laughs> really yeah, we that's had, right and yeah and it's oh, yeah it's so it, that's almost here's a heuristic a rule of thumb for discerning an inauthentic red pill if it can be digested and acted upon without significant effort yeah that's right right that's right well homeschool is a good example i mean you can take the red pill on education and determine that public school is evil they're trying to brainwash your children and that homeschool you know, and you may even take the the red pill that, that any institution, like a school type institution, is going to emasculate your young men and and cause problems. And you're not really being providing proper headship for your daughters by sending them to school. Um, you can take that red pill too, and de and and determine that homeschool is the only real way. Okay, you get the badge of you get the Gnostic badge of homeschool, you know, uh, believer, um, but. But will you do the work right, right. to educate your children the way they ought to be educated? Mm. Or are you just satisfied to say, I'm, we're a homeschool family, and then just phone, phone it in and not really provide an edu a rigorous education right, of right. any kind to your children? Um, that's the, the, again, that's, that, so, so it, there's this kind of, uh, I've heard Michael Foster refer to it as, a, as listism, you right. know, this, this kind of, Box I want to, you know, yes. And so, and so it's like, I, I've got my list of all my things and these are the things that are important. And, and I just want to make sure I've checked them all off. Mm. Um, but, but it's divorced from an embodied wisdom. Yeah. I believe in, I believe in the biblical idea of courtship as a approach to, to marriage or, or, or finding a, a spouse. What will that look like for each of my kids? It may look very different. Right, right. You know, I'm, I'm, I actually believe it or not have encouraged a son to go on dates with girls, with multiple girls, you know, like, and, and for some people it's like, that sound like, wait, I thought you said you were into courtship. Mm -hmm. Well, no, let's talk. Let me explain to you right. how I'm dealing with this particular son in a particular way mm -hmm. and encouraging him towards uh, wisdom and maturity. Right, right, right. Well, there's a bunch of things here we should talk about another day and um, courtship, child rearing, education. Yeah. There's a bunch more, yeah. but I'm going to trespass no more on your valuable time. Um, <laughs> Elder Larson Hicks, um, this has been one of the most stimulating and I hope helpful for other people conversations that I've had yeah. uh, in a long time. Uh, I'm very grateful to you. Um, I trust and hope that the saints here at All Saints will be also. Uh, will you come back and talk to us about something else sometime? Oh yeah, right. I'd be delighted. Right. It's been a, it's been a lot of fun for me as well. Yeah, well, it's good to connect again, and uh, we thank God for you. Um, anything else you want to throw at us before we um, uh, call a halt to this conversation? No, I I um, I'll I'll mention I, I mentioned it in passing, but I, I did record a podcast last, mm -hmm. like a week or two ago on this intellectual new system concept with with Joffrey, and mm -hmm. and I think that that conversation was fruitful, and and uh, he had a lot of wisdom and and good. Um, perspectives on a lot of this stuff too. So I know that that that's just been released. And my son uh, up in Idaho told me that he's going to break it up into some clips and post right, some things right, on social right, media. Right. So anyway, we'll turn the comments off. Out. And um, where can people find yeah. your podcast, Larson? <laughs> um, just Larson Hicks Show, right, um, right. TR, you know, Trinity Reform Church, um, or Trinity Reform Kirk.com, right. I believe is our website. Yeah, and there's a whole it. page on all here. of our 
podcasts and Wonderful. stuff. Great. Um, my friend, thank you very much indeed uh, for joining us. Yes. Um, folks at All Saints and anybody else who might be watching and listening, well done for making it to the end. If you've enjoyed this, found it helpful, please like, share, and uh, give it to anybody who, el- who also might find it useful. But with that, thank you to our guest, Larson Hicks. It's been great to have you with us. And we will see you all next time. God bless and bye. For now. <laughs>